Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in living the status quo life, who wants to hear from other ladies that are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga. Join me as I follow my curiosity around what living a successful life really means. Let's dive in. Okay, so today's a real honor because I'm getting to have my grandma on the show. And uh, my brother was asking me, like, how do you, or my sister, I can't remember. They were like, how do you prepare for this? And I was like, you don't, you just take good care of yourself. So I'm so honored and excited to like have the opportunity to hear more of your story, grandma. Because, you know, like when you have a grandparent, we talked about this a little bit before we even like sat down to record the other day about how, you know, you you get an identity or you get a label and you don't necessarily see the whole person. You don't see like parts of their story. And so you're just like, she's grandma or she's, she's mom or she's whoever. And I feel like people can just relate to that. But I kind of think it might be nice to start at the beginning and understand a little bit more about who you are as a person, because I think there's so much wisdom in having lived a life that didn't go always according to plan, because whose does? But I would love for you to just start a little bit at the beginning of like what it was like to be a little girl and what your life was like. Because um, I don't think I've ever really, I mean, I've heard a piece here or there, but I've never really heard like what it was like to be like little girl Linda. Well, being a little girl, Linda, was good in that I always felt sorry for my brothers because I felt like my parents favored me, bragged about me, and had me entered in every contest there was when I was little. And my brothers just, I mean, I was the one that got to go to college, and they paid for it, and my brothers didn't. And so I've always felt like maybe maybe it was unfair that they favored me and the boys just had to ride along for the ride. Like they had to figure it out, but they had more, like they invested their resources in you. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious. Mm-hmm. It was obvious. And how do you feel like that like set you up? Like you went to college and then like... Mm-hmm. How, how did mm-hmm. your life go from I was, there? I, I guess the guilt that you start carrying around starts at an early age. And that guilt was like, I should have stayed home and they should have gone. Or I got to go to Minneapolis every summer to spend a couple of weeks with my aunt. And that was a very special thing for me. And, and, and I got to go to summer camp, Methodist camp. And... Um, my brothers didn't get to do either one of those things. And as I, even in my early married life, I felt like they had been shorted and it's bothered me. And it bothers me still today that uh, maybe they didn't get a fair shake in a family of five of us. Yeah. And how do you think that showed up like in your life? That feeling you said you started to carry at a young age. I think I think I never felt I gave enough. Whatever whatever you do, you think you could have done a better job. You think you need you, th- you need perfection. That's what's expected of you. That's what was told to other people 
about myself. It was that everything I did turned out well. And so therefore, from that early age on, it was just like the house had to be perfect. The kids had to be dressed exactly perfectly. I had to work because it was a thing to do to support a family. Um, but I had those guilt feelings always that I should have been home and when I was at work. When I was at work, I, I felt I should have been home, and when I was home, I felt like I should be bringing in some money and working as a nurse. So, And I loved nursing. That was wonderful. But I always had that guilt feeling that my kids were home with babysitters, and uh, that bothered me. I, I've, I've just felt like I didn't quite measure up t- to the picture my parents painted of me. Yeah, I when you were talking, I was just thinking, like, I feel like that had to be a lot of pressure. Pressure at work, pressure at home, pressure to, like, keep it all together. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it was. It was just like, do it and do it right and do it so that... Sh- you get accolades so that people say, oh, your house is beautiful or your kids are just immaculate or that the work you do in nursing is exceptional. I needed to hear those things because I had always heard them from my parents, but I always felt guilty that I didn't deserve it. And that that was that was heavy. I think I carried it all of my life, um, trying to measure up, hoping that uh, feeling like I was being judged by somebody somehow that why my house had to be perfect, I don't know. Because now if I could have my kids back to that early age, I'd sit down and play games with them instead of scream about them, get picking up their games, pick up your books, put them away. The house, I don't know who, who I thought was coming. Yeah. But just in case somebody stopped, I wanted everything to look just perfect and uh, and so they'd no more get started with their toys and playing and have them all over the house if I could go back and do it over again I'd I'd sit down and play with them rather than yell that they pick everything up yeah and do you feel like you ever got that like do you ever feel like you really made your parents proud like do you think you ever got to have that feeling or do you feel like it was just like a unattainable thing that you were chasing? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I I felt like I I felt like they were pleased with me always and I got straight A's. You know, married and have had these four daughters and shared them with my mom and dad. But my mom and dad, I think, thought that I did it did it right. My mother, as, as she got older, became more critical. Like, you better get over here. I know you're busy, but you better get over here and help me. So when she said jump, I said how high. And I regret that because I wish I'd have managed my time a little better. Right. Like, do you feel like maybe you met her expectations at the expense of like being able to enjoy things sometimes? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I would tell my husband I was going camping with him or going to a movie with him. And then 
my mother would call and say, you better get over here. I need, I need you to do this. I need my laundry done. I need this done. I need you to run to the store for me. And then I'd just say to him, I'd drop it. I'd drop everything I was planning to do and go and help her. And I would feel good that I had helped her, but guilty again that I had disappointed my husband. Yeah. And do you feel like you ever had like an attachment to what you wanted or do you feel like you were raised kind of seeking that external validation so you didn't even necessarily know what you wanted? Because I didn't hear you say ever like, I disappoint, I let myself down. It's like, no, I let my husband down or my mom down. But what about yourself? Mm, I, I never thought of that. Yeah, That just wasn't part of the picture for me. I I was trying to cover all the bases Yeah, and uh, I'm not proud of that. No, but I think people can relate to that. And I I, I, I also just like think there's so much wisdom in this conversation because it's like we all were passed down. You know, there's this thing called generational inheritance. And it's like your parents pass something down to you that you pass to your kids. And it's all subconscious. And then it's passed to me. So even things you're saying that you experienced kind of shed a light on why I feel like I did that for so long. Because it's like, oh, like I thought that I, if I made everyone else happy, like I would feel good. And I, and like, but it, it, you get in this like hamster wheel of chasing your tail, trying to make everyone happy and you don't realize why it's not working. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where I was going round and round on that wheel, just trying to cover all the bases, trying to make sure that everybody was happy. Then I could be, then I could justify being happy. It'd be okay. And be okay, but until all all the needs were met, and I'm not proud of that by any means. But until everybody's needs were met, yeah. I always felt like there wasn't time there, and there wasn't time right. to enjoy doing things myself, or. You know, in the busiest time of my life when the girls were all busy with school and I had so much to do with them and with my work, I ran for school board. What was that about? I I served on the school. It's just trying to be somebody, Mm -hmm. just trying to get, you know, if, if I could run for school board and be elected, and I served for three years, and it was at the busiest time of my life. I I didn't need to do that. Why did I do that? I'm not even sure. I think, um, and then I served on the American Cancer Society uh, board that raised money, and I would travel around teaching people self-breast examination, and I worked all that into... I mean, it sounds like insanity now. I, I worked all of those things into my life at a time when my life was totally full. And I pray because of all those extra things that I tried to work in because I thought it made me look good, made me feel good. Made you a good person. Made me a good person, that I was serving on the school board, that I was raising money for the Cancer Society. When I had four little kids at home and I was working part time, I I look back on it now and I I, I would l- wish I had an opportunity to repeat it because there's some things I would eliminate, which would be that running for office and yeah, 
And did you feel like like there you were there was going to be time later to enjoy it? Did you feel like you were trying to get somewhere? Well, at, when, when you're when I was smack dab in the middle of it, I didn't think that time with my kids would ever end. I thought that was going to go forever. Little did I know that when they turned 18, 19, 20 off to college, they're gone. They're married. They're yeah. gone. They're having children of their own. And then I woke up and thought, I missed it. Yeah. I missed it. I was so into being so involved in many different... Well, you thought you were doing it right. I thought I was doing it right. Yeah. You know, and that that it was honorable. Yeah. That it was the right thing to do. And uh, And later I realized you should have done some counseling or something at that time that said slow it down, stay home more, and enjoy your kids because soon they will be gone. And in in a flash, they were gone. Yeah. And do you feel like you've gone to a place of recognizing like your inherent worthiness at this place in your life? Or do you feel like it's still something like you struggle with? That you don't have to do something or be something? I have arrived at that spot, which is wonderful. Yes. It's wonderful. If I want to sleep in, you get to. isn't that wonderful? Yeah. If I want to do nothing for a day or go nowhere or see no one, that's perfectly fine. Just enjoy your time by yourself. And I didn't arrive at that point until probably in in the last five years. Your ability to sit with yourself? Mm-hmm. Sit with myself and just enjoy it. And not, not I just don't want anyone to interfere with that time because I had none of it. Yeah, and it's precious. And it's precious. Yeah. I had none of it for so many years. And now that I have it, I don't feel guilty. That's that's a miracle in itself. Yeah. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel like my somebody should be visiting me. Here I am sitting alone. I don't feel that way. I think this is glorious. Yeah. This is heavenly. And but you weren't raised to that that was okay. No, no. Nobody ever took time off and relaxed and just did nothing. If we could go into the like sitting with yourself, because I feel like my observation now with my vantage point of being almost 36 and looking at your life, like, and thinking about how, you know, like grandpa suddenly passes away. I was saying he was 65 and Chelsea said, no, he was 60. He was 60. Yeah. So then grandpa, you, you, you think you're going to be in Mexico. You think you're going to like have this life. Mm -hmm. Your kids are raised. You have grandkids, not all of them yet. Right. Right. But and then in a blink of an eye. The only one we didn't have was Sam. You hadn't, hadn't had your last one. But so, so Grandpa's 60, you're how old? 58. 58. And, in a, you know, you guys have a timeshare in Mexico. You're talking about going there more. That was... We were reaching a point where we were going to start enjoying each other and enjoying ourselves and not feeling guilty about it. Yeah. We, luckily, we did some of that. Good. And I'm thankful for that. We would go, we had timeshare, so we automatically went. The The beauty of the timeshare was it, it made you go. Yes. You had to pay for it, so you went. And then you came home and you just enjoyed that. You'd enjoy all year long those two weeks, three weeks that you spent in Mexico. It, yeah. was, it was wonderful. And it, 
I, I was guilty, I think, that just like a lot of us, that you think it will go forever. Yes. It'll go for a long time. Now that the kids are grown and they're having ch- children of their own and grandchildren are being born, we so en- enjoyed grandchildren more than we enjoyed our own children. Yes. Our, our children were just work, a lot of work. And uh, grandkids were a lot of fun. And so we were, I'm so glad that before Tom passed away, he had that opportunity to know all of his grandchildren except for one. He knew nine of them and loved every minute of it, just thought that was the greatest time of his life. And it felt like it was the greatest time of our life. And then it suddenly was over. There was no warning. Yeah. When you talked about like, you know, like the last five years being able to sit with yourself, like what, um, like I feel like what I observed and your experience is different is like I watched you and it makes me emotional but like kind of distract yourself and struggle to sit with yourself for like years to come because of the grief that's true and I at first I did the grief by running as fast as I could doing as much as I could thinking that was the answer to this pain and that wasn't the answer to the pain. If I could have slowed it down then and grieved normally and gone through all the stages, you'll go through all those stages sooner or later. Avoid them by running. I think I moved out of the house within a few months, moved to Texas, built a house, just frantically trying to get a new life, frantic to get a new life. And I wish now that I had stayed in the house Tom and I were in. Because you had just built this townhouse. We had just built this townhouse and moved out of the big house and into the townhouse. And it, it was lovely, and we lo- and we both loved it. But as soon as he was gone, I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, that was your process. That was. I wish I had stayed in it and enjoyed what he and I loved about it and did it sensibly. Sensibly is not a big part of my vocabulary because I jump before I think. Yeah. And I jumped to Texas, built a house, thought that was the answer. Now I had a house of my own and I could learn to live by myself. And I... Do you think you knew at the time what you were doing or do you think that you were so in it that you didn't know that you were just like like speeding down a highway of your life? I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I just thought it was a thing to do. It was survival. That's what it felt like was survival. If I'm going to get through this, I have to keep busy. If I'm going to get through this, I've got to move. Physically and mentally and just, yeah, move. Get me out of here. I can't handle what's what's happened. Yeah. And had you sat down, what would you have had to feel? Was it just like, what would have come up? Do you know? Or do you feel like it just was so many years that you kind of like slowly kind of, it's like a slow burn of the grief that you, the, in the way that you've moved. But what do you think would have, do you think it, because I, I often think that, you know, you know, you know, as much as you know, like when you're ready to know it, and it's almost like, I think it would have been too painful. I think it, well, strange as it seems and I wasn't going to talk about this, but I would have a drink. 
or take a pill to feel normal and not be struggling. And I began to be concerned about that. In fact, to the point that I called Betty Ford and said, this is what's happening. I've lost my husband and I'm coping with the use of drugs and pills and um, they said, come in. And so I went, I just, I was desperate. I wanted to feel better, but I didn't want to be relying on outside things to, to make me feel good. I didn't know how to make myself feel good. And when I got there, they pretty much determined I didn't have an in-depth addiction to alcohol or drugs because it wasn't hard for me to not have them right. present. It wasn't that at all. I'm probably one of maybe of many people that go to Betty Ford and find out it's something else. It isn't alcohol and drugs. Alcohol and drugs were covering up for what was really happening inside. They had me sit down and write a letter to Tom. And it was the hardest thing I think I've ever done because I had to say, I know you're gone. And writing it made it so. Writing made it so. And they had me write, they'd give me different topics about my life with Tom. And I would write the letters, cry through them, refuse to do them. Yeah. Finally got them done. And when I finished there, I had come to grips with the, I had, I had grieved. I had grieved. You let yourself. I let myself grieve there. And before that, I was just building a house, running here, running there, seeing people, social butterfly. I needed to just sit down and be quiet, write these letters, and acknowledge the fact that I hurt terribly, that he was gone and... uh, what we knew was not going to be again. Yeah. So anyway, that's sometimes it embarrasses me to say that I went to Betty Ford, but that's, that's exactly where I found myself. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that you're embarrassed about is the thing that actually helps people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, obviously it's part of your story and like sharing that I think is just really honest. And I, I have this saying now where I think you can be good or you can be honest, but you can't be both. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like you were good mm-hmm. a lot of your life. I was good. I really tried hard to be good all of my life. Yeah. And then to get honest didn't happen until I was at Betty Ford when I'm saying, this is really where I am. Now let's just take a look at it. And painful as it was, I had to go through that. Yeah. And, like, how much would you say, like, having a sense of humor has helped you? Because I feel like whenever I'm with you, I feel like your sense of humor is something that I think has been, like, a saving grace. I don't know. Maybe I'm off base here. But how much do you feel like laughing and being, like, able to... I... Because I feel like you're really funny. <laughs> we laugh at each other and we laugh with each other, don't we, Yeah, Lance? yeah. Um... I don't feel I have a sense of humor. Really? And, and you feel that, that I do. I like to joke a little bit with people, but I'm much more serious than that. Oh, you, so do you feel like people meet your humor or they don't meet you? I think they, 
they meet like a bubbly, fun person, but are you saying that there's a lot more depth to you maybe than people mm-hmm. see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can act lighthearted and joke and tease like I will with Chelsea too. Yeah. About don't talk to me, and we, we yes. joke about that. And that makes me feel good. But if the truth were no deep down, there's so much more to the story. Yeah. It, it, there, there isn't a whole lot of laughing in my life. Because you've been really hard on yourself, mm-hmm, and you are hard mm-hmm. on yourself. There's not a lot of laughing, and when I hear myself laugh, I love it. Oh. You know, because someone will do something or say something. You are one of those people that can do that. Yeah. Say something and make me laugh, and I think, that sounded so good. You know, because I don't get to do it very often. But maybe it's coming, because this is a good time in my life. Yeah. Even though it's the the ending, it is the beginning in some ways. How freeing has it been for you to, like, get older? Has it been freeing? It seems like, is it the, do you think it's a combination of the life circumstances mixed with aging? Or what do you think it is? Because I feel like in recent years, I've noticed, like you said, like being able to sit with yourself, being able to just enjoy the simple luxuries of life. When I feel like, you know, kind of going back to before when you were spinning and trying, it's like you had the nicest everything. And like that didn't make you happy. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So, like, what do you what do you think the combination of circumstances is that have has allowed you to be more present? Really, as I think you're saying, present to enjoy it through all of this. The desire to have everything has left me. The desire to be shopping that was a major problem. If there was an addiction, that was that would have been it. And shopping and having to have everything that I wanted for the house, for myself, for the kids. You know, Lisa, like, like Lisa would say. Avoid. Mm-hmm. Still avoid. You know, you can bring the packages home and set them down, and you still, it, it didn't fulfill anything. But when you're out there doing it, you're just frantic grabbing stuff because you, you want it and it'll be good and you'll use it and it's, and it feels feels good. It feels good. The, the shopping moment. part of it, but the moment you get this everything home, it's just like, who cares? Yeah, you know. So, but I guess it, as I got older, that need started to vanish. I still like to have nice things, but I don't have this growing desire to get to a store. That has left me. Yeah. Do you feel like it's your ability to have being able to sit with yourself, self, accept yourself has allowed you to no longer need mm-hmm. all these pacifiers mm-hmm. to fill this That's hole? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And like, they were pacifiers. Yeah. They were just things that I used to feel good temporarily. Yeah. And like, if you, if you could like say anything to your daughters about like, how you've lived and if you like if there was like one thing you could say would you say something different to each of them or would you say the same thing to all of them because you have four and they all have four very different lives Mm -hmm. they're all so different and obviously like the way you parented impact each of them differently the way that 
you know, you've shown up for each of them in their life circumstances. Like, would you have, like, is there something that comes up for you that's like, no, I would say this to all of them? Or when you go to think about it, do you think about, no, this one would need to hear this. This one would need to hear this. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to share what they are necessarily, but what, mm-hmm. what do you mm-hmm. feel? I probably would do it individually and that they were all so different. Yeah. Is there a theme or would there be a theme to what you would say to them, like about their childhood or about their life, or would it be so specific to each person? It, there would be a theme because it was of the busyness of it all. Yeah. That how fast the days would go because you were running from the minute you got up until the minute you went to bed. And pleasure and fun didn't seem to fit into the day. It was mostly just making sure all the bases were covered and that yeah. kids got where they needed to go. And it, it, it was a frantic feeling, a frantic feeling. And a, I regret that with them, that they probably saw that I was just beside myself most of the time. And have you seen it impact them? And do you still see it impact them? Like in the way that they parent, in the way that they show up in the world? Is that something that you've like made a connection on? I mean, do I see myself uh, in their type of parenting? Yeah. The, the theme of that, that, they were, that was instilled in them, like, do you see them struggle to relax or them struggle to enjoy, or has it, is it different with each one? I'm happy to say it looks to me like they're doing a much better job than I ever did. Yeah. In that they aren't that frantic, they aren't that busy, they're, they're enjoying yeah. And I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. I, I, nobody's fault particularly. No. I just did not know how to slow down and enjoy it. If I slowed down and sat down, I, there was something I should have been doing. That's, yeah. that's it. And I wish I hadn't felt that way all the time. But I, as I look at my kids raising their children, they seem to be happier doing it. Yeah. They seem to be happy in the process. Yeah. Well, I think that having kids is so confronting. Like, you know, you know, I missed my dad all the time growing up and Bertie's in the car and Ramel travels and she's sitting in the back seat one day and she's like, I miss my dad. And I just started sobbing. Oh, yes. Yes. So I could see how like one of your kids having a life that felt like difficult, like yours at times brings stuff up and you did what you could with what you had, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that all four of your kids have a sense of humor. That's why it surprises me to hear you say that you didn't feel like ha- like that you leaned into that, that there were, like you did that at faith, like people saw that. Like I think I think of you as someone who, like I'm laughing to myself all day. Like I'm like having jokes in my head. Like I'm just like, I wish someone was here to see this bullshit right now. <laughs> I mean, this is that's what my head's like. That's so, so I, good. But that's I assume so that you do did too or do too. And I think of you having four kids that like all have sense of humors. And so I assume that that came from you. But would you say that that was more grandpa? His yes, sense he of probably humor? had. In my mind, he had more of a sense of humor than I did. I would get upset and angry real quick, and. He could see the humor in a lot of things that I couldn't see. So that perhaps came from him. But uh, it's a big deal in your life. It's a big deal. And I wish I had had more of it. And I find that I have more of it now. I'm not as capable physically to to do the things I'd like to do. And that's depressing to a point. Yeah. 
but if I could, I find great joy in, I find great joy. Isn't that wonderful? I yeah. find great joy in getting a, a a picture on my phone of one of the great grandchildren. We have five great, no, we have seven. We'll have seven when Eleanor has her baby. Wow. So anyway, it's just to get a picture or just to get a note from one of my grandchildren of how they're doing, it just makes my day. Yeah. You know, it, little things count now. Little things count. Before, it, I didn't have time for little things. It was all the big things that I had to Yeah, handle. and now do you feel like in life, like, the little things are actually the big things? Absolutely. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, like all those little mm-hmm, moments. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just be sitting there quiet and enjoying myself in a quiet house with no one around, and I'll come across on my phone, how are you? Here's some pictures from the dance class or something. And it, it makes you feel like you're you're still involved, though physically you really can't be involved to a big degree. Yeah. And it makes you feel like you're still thought of. You aren't alone. Yeah. You aren't alone. And I, I have more of a need for that than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, like with, like, not feeling like you were doing enough and, like, that you weren't worthy, like... Did you was it did you feel lonely a lot or do you were surrounded by so many people so many kids I so didn't ma- I didn't have You didn't have a relationship with yourself. No. I didn't have a relationship with myself. I had a relationship with lots of people, social, social, social. Had so many people that I knew, so many clubs I belonged to, playing mahjong, playing getting together with all of them to play tennis and golf. I managed to do both of those. I mean, now I look back and think, how did you fit it all in? Yeah, no, I'm confused just hearing it mm-hmm. and thinking about my mm-hmm. life. I'm confused as to how that, how it, any of it really worked, mm-hmm. but how you were able to do it all. Mm-mm. And so today, here I come with the word guilty again. Sometimes I will feel guilty because I, I have friends in Rapid City that I could contact and go to lunch with, meet for dinner or whatever, and I don't want to. It's kind of like I treasure that I become... Well, maybe you're making up for lost time. Maybe so. Decades. Decades upon decades upon (laughs) decades of no time to yourself. No time. And so now it's just like I I don't want the intrusion of going to somebody's birthday party or... Maybe I become a recluse. But do you feel like it's the energy you have to exert at being at those things? You now have a relationship with yourself and how it feels for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that drains me. Or I'm mm-hmm. going to leave feeling depleted. Do you think that's part of it? Like that, like how it feels for you? It's actually a part of the equation and it never was. Mm-hmm. Like going to something like that? Like it would be exhausting for you? It would you? be exhausting. It would be exhausting. And you can articulate that now. Now I can I can absolutely articulate it. I can mark it on the calendar that if I'm going to do this today, I'm going to have all day tomorrow to rest, sleep late. I sleep a lot, and I don't think it's an escape. I think it's just a need to let the body rest, let the mind rest, and 
it's working because I'm happily married. Yeah, we didn't even get into that. I, I told you before when we were talking on the phone about this, I was like, can we talk about the gemologist um, boyfriend, fiance? Like, like there's this whole part of your story in the whirlwind of it all. In the whirlwind and of it all. I was engaged three times. There were diamonds and gems and a gemologist and a, a hockey player and, a and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a lot. Mm-hmm. And do, do you think that speaks to, and we laugh about it, and that's where I think you have a sense of humor, but maybe mm-hmm. later you're beating the shit out of yourself mentally <laughs> yeah. about it. Um, yeah. But I just feel like there, it just speaks to just how much you were willing, like what you were willing to do to avoid what was there. Mm-hmm. And like, if you could say to people, like give people a little bit of like, like if there was like a piece of advice, a piece of wisdom that you could have given like Linda at 58, what would you have said to her? Mm. Be- before, before just the tornado that became Linda's life. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it to be with less and to have this peace that you mm-hmm. have with mm-hmm. him and in your mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. is there something that you think would have helped her, but would also help someone else? Because everything you've, your life is, I don't know. I just feel like you live in a way where like your experiences are going to help someone else if you do it right. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. stop trying to be good mm-hmm. and you're just honest your experience will help people. Well, if I were 58 again and going through that, I'd, I'd approach everything differently than I did. I was in a panic, a manic stage of frantically trying to fill the void with things and people. And I thought the more people I had in my life and the more that I had in my house... And the more clubs I belonged to, and the more golf that I played, that that would be that that should do it. Uh, that'll fill the day, you know. If I get up and have to go play golf, then I come home and. Well, because on paper, it's all it's like it's the American fucking dream. It is. It truly is. It's just like I'll have lunch with these ladies. We'll play golf. I'll go home. I'll shop. Get some things I. Need, need things that I need that, that I don't even want to hang up once I get them home. It's like they don't, they don't, didn't fill the void. All those things did not fill the void. I thought for years that they would. And the same with men. It was like I would date and I'd think this, this is, this is happiness coming. He and I can have a house and live. Like I thought Tom and I would. Like trying to find a character to play the role mm-hmm, and then still get mm-hmm, the story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so there they were, and it was like I was just trying to recreate what I'd lost. Because you, you almost had it. Almost had it. Like the pieces were about to all just click in. They, they were all going to click in. So do you think that was what was so part of what was That's so exactly. hard of it? was just like you... Almost had it. All that work, all that time. It was building up to this moment. Uh, exactly. And then over. And then then in my mind, it was like, I've got to recreate it. Recreate it. You can't recreate a, a marriage that was 35 years. You can't recreate a home with that amount of love in it. Yeah. 
You just simply can't. In history. In, in history. And so I would be engaged, like I said, I was three times. I would be engaged thinking I can, I can make this feel right, and I never could. And so I would end the relationship. But you can't reinvent what you had once you've lost it. You have to deal with what you lost. And uh, I did that at Betty Ford. And do you feel like ever like something, the thing, what you and Grandpa had, some people never get? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Like, I do. Like you were the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. We were really lucky. And at the time, we we were anticipating the next stage. Yeah. What we were going to be doing. We were loving having grandchildren. Yeah. We were loving going to Puerto Vallarta every year. We financially were in a position where we were comfortable and not in a panic. And... It felt like we just got there, yeah. And then it was gone, and so I thought. I figured I'd probably you live. Thought you were going to whip up a new life. I, I was going to whip up a new life, <laughs> and I tried. Oh, did I try? I mean, you tried, but I have to tell you, being a, the grandchild of the person that shopped a lot, like the magic of being in your closet. Like, I don't want you to feel like it was all for nothing. Like, I really <laughs> did have fun trying on your shoes, and the magic that was. <laughs> You know, like the world that you created, it was magical, and it and I feel like you know, like there was a lot of like whimsy about how you like to live, and it worked when you had that foundation of grandpa, right? Like it worked. Mm-hmm. He he mm-hmm. created like a mm-hmm. like a, he'd shake his head. He, he I mean, and maybe it didn't work as much as one from the outside no, thought. No, because there's probably it, it caused more some to it problems, but yeah, ultimately. All of, all the things that I tried. Well, now you know. I always say that. Now I do I run a lot of case now studies, and yours, like mine, they tend to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on the other side of all of that, and meeting less, and being like in your just like peaceful life, do you feel like you have more of an appreciation for the life you have today, having had your life? Like, like. Like, I know you look back and you're like, I wish I could tell my younger self, like, slow down or, like, be, or, like, kind mm-hmm. of the advice we'd mm-hmm. give someone else is the advice we would we needed or, like, the thing we could. So what you would probably say to your kids is what you would say to yourself. It's probably the, the there's a theme, you know? But do you feel like you have more of an appreciation for this life having lived the way you live? Absolutely. And does that give you some I still have some of, of that old stuff. Yeah, cro- it creeps in. creeps in. Once in a while, like even this morning, I was saying, I sat down, I was waiting for you to come, yeah. and I sat down with a cup of coffee, and right away I said, oh, I better empty the dishwasher, or I yeah. better go do this, and I jumped up, and he said, just sit down. Just be, yeah. Just sit down, and and he, he's okay with me just sitting down, because yeah. I always thought I would assume, which you shouldn't yes. do, I would assume that they were. he was thinking... Here she is having her coffee, and the dishwasher needs to be emptied, and the clothes need to be folded, and and she needs to be picking up the house. I I always felt like somebody was, and nobody really was. No, I, I had actually my psychic tell me, Lindsay, who do you think is judging you? 
Yeah. That's, and I said, uh, what? She's like, who do you think is like judging you? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I, I so I feel like it goes back to like that gets passed down. Like some, mm-hmm. there's a reason why you feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask though, like, do you feel like, do you have a sense of peace and just kind of just like closure with how you lived? Like, do you feel like that your pain had a purpose that like, even though it was hard, like have you reconciled the way that thing, the way that you lived up until recent or do you, are you hard on yourself about that still? Well, when I'm really tired, it comes back. Yeah. You know, and you think I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. But I'm finding that as I lay in bed at night and I'm not going to sleep and I'm thinking about the past life, I'm easier on myself. Like, it's do you just feel like, like it, you, you yeah. did a good job, Linda. You did a good job. You worked hard. Yeah. You were there for the people that needed you. You worked hard and you deserve to not be, feel guilty. Yeah, because it brought you here. Mm-hmm. There you, you know? go. There like, you go. Like, you know, like it, it. You can't look back. I don't believe, but I like. I feel like I would want that for you to have, um, just like a, a sense of peace around that. Like that's the that's like your story had to go this way. It had to have this arch. Mm-hmm. It had to have this big like storm in the middle of it to mm-hmm. get here. Because if you didn't have that, you wouldn't be here. I don't know where you would be, but you wouldn't I have this story. I don't know where I'd be. But I'm glad it brought me here because I know peace now. Yes. And I can I guess re- it's just like I, peace I, in your in the process that got you here. I, I want that for you. Thank you. You know? I love you. Yes. I love you. And I guess if we were just gonna leave people with one more like little bit of wisdom, you had shared with me that you had been in like a group um kind of counseling thing and you you said you had these identities, like you were a mother, you were a wife, you were these things. And for the first time, will you share a little bit about that? Because I think that's something that when you share that, I was like, I want to touch on that because I feel like so many women will relate and, you know, your grandkids are going to listen to this, your kids, like, like, I feel like there's a lot of wisdom in that. Mm. Well, I did go to counseling. Actually, it was for shopping. Yeah. And I wanted, and the uh, my roommate there was a nun, which was just she lived just the opposite of the way I lived, which, which is kind of cool. Which was kind of cool. The contrast that, that, that wasn't just by accident. And uh, when I was I was in a small group, and as uh, I kept talking about the shopping, and they they steered it toward let's talk about you. Let's yeah. talk about who you are. Stop and distracting us with your shopping. Yes, yeah, like, well, who what are about you? me? I have nothing to say about me. I, I, I don't know me, you know, and I just know who I pretend to be all the time. And so as the days went by, we were there 10 days maybe. As the days went by, they said, you know, when you first came in here, you were grandma, you were mom, you were wife. And that's all you, you didn't know who Linda was. You didn't know who Linda was. And so that's what we worked on. And by the time I was finished with the class, I was able to stand up in front of the entire group and say, I am woman. Hear me shout. You know, I, I am going to 
take care of Linda. I'm going to recognize that she is a person. She isn't just an entity that covers all the bases. And that that really did help me for a while. I, I quite quickly got back into that same storm situation where you're trying to do too much in a day. But uh, I've never forgotten that, that they said, yeah. you, now we know who you are. Yeah, you Don't take all the masks who, off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, too, like the things that kept you safe, they kind of also keep you, they, they, they served you at a time. Like maybe as a little girl, like, you know, like be putting all those things on, mm-hmm, it, it kept mm-hmm, you feeling mm-hmm, loved and mm-hmm. connected to your caregivers, obviously. And that worked until it actually kept you from mm-hmm. the thing you wanted most, which was probably to like feel at peace with yourself and you can't do that mm-hmm. if you don't know yourself no I just didn't know myself and they would have me close my eyes and just hold a hand of somebody and pretend it was little Linda you know and just tell her exactly how much you want to take care of her and that you know that the you've been dragging her around yeah. through all this crazy living and you want to settle down so that she can settle down and be happy and not feel this urgency to be running out doing all kinds of things so I realized the shopping was just an excuse the shopping was just a way of oh yeah frosting on the cake you know let's get let's buy something and feel good for a moment yeah Oh, so I heard this thing recently about how, like, when we talk to our younger selves, that we often, as the adult, talk to the little kid, but that it's actually really powerful to, like, meet your child, like, inner child with a child. Mm -hmm. So if there was, like, anything that, like, little Linda would want to say, like, is there anything that, like, jumps out at you that she would want to say, even, like, today to you? Mm. It would be, it would be slow down. Like, just have fun with me. Have fun with me. Have fun with me. That's just it. That's just that's it completely, Liz. Yeah. It truly is. Just have fun with me. Let's not have all these things. Let's go things play. That, yeah, let's go play. Yeah, I love let's that. Let's not have all these duties and jobs that we think we need to have done. That, the perfection. Let's just look the other way and just enjoy yeah. the moment. And that's what, she, that's what she would want. Yeah. That's what she would want, and that's what I want, and that, and I, I'm closer to it today than I have ever been. I love that. So, and I, I want to read the quote that we pulled from my "She Makes Waves" deck. So, the this is the one we pulled, right? Right. Yeah. So everything evolves and changes. Enjoy today. The tough stuff, don't worry, it will evolve and change. The dreamy stuff, don't blink, it will evolve and change. The moral of the story is everything is temporary. I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like that's just the essence of everything we just said. That was that's we covered it. Oh, I love you so much. I love you too, sweetheart. Thanks for doing this. Happy to do it with you. Grandma was so we'll remember we'll remember this forever. <laughs>